Welcome to Functional Design Enclosure. I'm Christoph Newman. And I'm Nate Jones. Each week we discuss a software design problem and how we might solve it using functional programming and the Closure programming language. So Nate, this week, what are we talking about? Well, Christoph, I thought I thought we'd talk about tic-tac-toe just for a little bit longer. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it, I feel like talking about tic-tac-toe is a good mechanism for talking about design without having the problem be too terribly interesting and distracting us from the actual principles. So just boring enough, just interesting enough. Yeah. So anyway, I thought maybe today we talk about uh, you know how do we tell who won the game. No. Ooh. I, Ooh I, didn't we defer that last week? I think last week we deferred that as an exercise for the listener or something. Yeah, we did. And hopefully some of the listeners have actually exercised that. Um, but, but, but I want to talk about it because I think it, it, it kind of will help kind of get past the, we only have one model right now. Well, no application out there in existence ever has just one model. You usually have more than one model. And so I think talking about who won the game, I think might help us, you know, explore some of that a little bit. So anyway, just adding some more complexity into the the model we have. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think so I think, you know, there's a couple different ways we can figure out who won the game. Uh, One way would be to just look at the board, examine the board as it is. And, 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 you know, see if anyone got any, any rows or any diagonals, uh, you know, without having to store any state. Uh, Isn't that like the definition of seeing who won the game to examine the board for the victory condition? Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the idea is what? I'd write a function. It takes a board. It gives me back. I think what we talked about last time is it gives me back the, an ID of the winner or, or a nil if there's no winner. Yeah, I think you know x o or nil is is a good try try uh, try value uh, we can get from this function. Yeah, so it's like a, a function called winner. You pass it the board and it gives you the winner back. And nil means hey, there's no winner yet. So it just it just looks at the board and goes, okay, do I see a pattern that's a winning pattern here? Yeah, definitely. So a- another way to do it is to actually keep track of who is winning the game as the game is played so that you don't have to actually examine the board. You can just see who has gotten to the point where they have three in a row. Well, and why would, why wouldn't we just want to examine the board? That just seems a lot simpler. Like why would we want to keep track as like, what do you mean by keep track? Well, there there's, you know, eight, eight different ways for each person X or O to win the game. And so if you keep track along the way, you don't have to go through all of the, the permutations of, winning uh when you examine the board you can just check that 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 tracking array or that tracking map that you have and so you know with a three by three it's not terribly fast there's not uh, much of a performance difference but say you're playing a game of tic-tac-toe where it's 15 by 15 or 200 by 200 if you keep track of uh who is who is winning along the way you can you can defer or sorry infer who won much quicker than doing a, a a search across the board. Okay, so tracer bullet style, we just need some way of finding a winner that's that's like simple. And then the idea is after you code up that simple way of finding a winner, you just look at the board. Then you might want to go, hey, how can how can I improve the efficiency of finding the winner? Is yeah. is is that the idea? So it's like an optimization. 
Yeah, so, and so and, and and like a lot of optimizations, you're trading something. So you know, if you don't do any examination before before being asked what the winner is, you're kind of taking a lot of time because you got to search through all the rows and all the columns in each of the diagonals. But yeah, so so if, specifically, like, how do we find the winner? Just the boring, non-optimized way, right? So, so you like you could write a function that just looks at a row and and basically it just pulls like you know, you give it a coordinate, let's say row 0. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and then it goes, "Okay, let let me get in this like two-dimensional array, right? So let me let me call get in with a row you provided and then get in, you know, column 0, get get them, you know, row zero or whatever it is, you know, column one, column two. And then you, you go, Hey, are all of those equal to each other? Right. So you call get in on these three things. You get these three values and go, are they all equal? If they're all equal, then you return like what they are, right? X or O. (laughs) If they're not equal, well, it just returns nil. Yeah. Something like that, right? If if nil is your placeholder value, then if they're all the same and they're all nil, then there's your nil answer. So I guess, yeah, that's an interesting oh, way of yeah, reducing that's, it. Yeah, that's true too, right? Yeah, if they're all the same and they're all nil, then great. <laughs> no, nil has one, which is nobody, right? Sure. Yeah, one of the yes. things that I always think of whenever I talk, about, I think about the idea of like how many of these are each thing. Um, I remember th- when I learned about the frequencies function enclosure because um, it just lets you hand it an array and or a vector, I guess a list, or and it'll tell it'll give you a map back with the key is each one of the values and the and the value is the, the count of that, and so it's a it's <clears throat> I think in this case we can just you know see if they're all the same. Yeah, so it's like two it. two choices. You could just take the row, shove it through frequencies, and go, are any of the values in that map I get back three? Yeah, so, totally. hey, that must be the winner. Uh, otherwise, you could just literally pull out each of the coordinates, assign it to three variables, throw it through equals, you know, like in a win, win equal, you know, uh, C1, C2, C3, column one, C2, you know. And so then then you have another like meta function. We'll just call it the the winner function, the main function. And so the winner function just basically does some kind of, you know, I don't know. How how would you structure that? We 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 basically need to we need to call the 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 row winner. Let's yeah. just say we have the row winner function, you know, three times, one for each row. We need to call the column winner function one for each column. And then we need some kind of diagonal winner function, right? But but how do we just like stop once we find a winner? Uh well I think you would use uh, just orum orum all together or or is a macro that short circuits when oh, yeah. any one of those things is is true, and one of the things I wanted to point out that that I think might not have been as obvious uh, as it was to me is that the the way you detect if someone's a winner in one of the rows is not actually inside of the winner function. It's a it's it's a function that all its job is is just to figure out. Did, did did someone win win in the row that I've been specified? And so you actually can make a name for that bit of sublogic, and then reuse it again for the other two rows, and then make a bit of sublogic. So you kind of have your your winner function has did someone win in row one? Did someone win in row two? It's very it almost reads like a paragraph, 
and you wrap that right, in ore, and you can right. see it's very plain to see what what the lo- how the logic is progressing through the function because we've made words, you know. The, the wonderful thing about closure is that there's only one kind of data, so everything's a verb. And so you're just adding new verbs to to kind of raise closure up to the level of your of your um, of your problem. And so you can speak about your problem right. using those verbs, which I think is one of the incredible powers of closure. Right. So uh, a design goal, if you will, is to have the winner, the overall winner function, just read like a description. And you do that by making these individual functions that you've named something helpful, like row winner, you know, zero, row winner one. So then you have this or, big or block in your winner function. And it has row winner zero, row winner one, row winner two, you know, column winner zero, column winner one, column winner two, diagonal forward, diagonal backward, you know, et cetera. So it's like, oh, okay. So that's how, that's how we find a winner, by inspecting the board. Yeah. So and then, then, yeah, so or is nice because if any of those give you nil back, it means there wasn't a winner there. It just keeps going. So it has to, it literally has to get nil from everything to return a nil. And then it satisfies our requirement of, of returning nil when nobody's won yet. Yeah, so that's another nice thing just with nil punning, right? Nil that didn't get, didn't get an answer is great because, because you can use things like or and uh, the sum uh, the sum thread first or sum thread last or whatever to do things with nil. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a... So, okay, so that would be a good way of, of being able to inspect the board, you know, by itself without trying to keep track of any state. So then... Yeah, so let's say the winner is going to develop in, I don't know, let's say we do like the bottom row for simplicity is the last thing we look at. So, so we're literally walking through every row and every column and every diagonal and then we get to the bottom row as the last thing. So we, so we had to walk through all these permutations each and every time. So you want to speed this up. You, you want to make sure that this isn't, uh, you know, inefficient because, you know, we need highly optimized tic-tac-toe for our Uber app server that's going to be running, I don't know, let's say like 1.3 million tic-tac-toe games, you know, simultaneously yeah, or something. Maybe we're simulating them, you know, and we're just running them on a, on a, a, a cluster. We want to really make sure that it runs fast. Right, tic-tac-toe at scale. Okay, somebody had to say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so uh, so the way that you could do that is, is so every, like I said before, every person or each side has eight different ways of winning in a three-by-three three tic-tac-toe. You have each row, each column, and then the, the diagonal, and so to speak, the reverse diagonal the other way, right? And so, okay. uh, so, to the, the the approach for kind of pre-caching this stuff is every time someone plays, you tabulate which of those eight things that person did or that 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 role did. So if you play in the very middle, X would get an entry in the row one for X uh, uh, table, one in the the column one. And one in both of the diagonals because it matches all of those things, and so does that, does that make sense? Did, did yeah. So we have zero zero based indexing, right? So therefore, row one is the middle row, column one is the middle column. So <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Sorry. I just so assuming. Let, help help me out with the data structure here. We we have a let's say what a map. Yeah. With so you, eight eight things in it. So we have a map with like row one, row 
row zero, row one, row two, column zero, column one, column two. Yeah. And then diagonal, diagonal forward, diagonal backward. Correct. And it, it, you could even make it so that you only have one map for both players by instead of each of those keys, you just double them up and have. Uh, so the, basically, the key is is the the player and then the type. So either player row one, oh. X row one, X row one, X row two, X row th- zero, Y, sorry, <laughs> O row one, O row two, O row zero. And so you... So you could have a, a list where like the first the first element of the list, so it's like our, our tuple as a list, right? So we have a list where the first element of the list is either the keyword row, column, or diag. Well, maybe not diag. Yeah. But like row, column, and the second key of the tuple is the index. So then it's like you have a map where the keys are either these tuples indicating row or column in the number, and then you have, or it's R diag or diag for the diagonal and reverse diagonal, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, okay. and then every time one player plays, you increment the the value, the the corresponding value to that key. And so let's say we go in the middle. So then I would look up the key, you know, the the key that was like row one, I'd, and I'd increment that value, and I look up the key is like row two. Not row two, sorry. Column one. <laughs> Correct. Increment that value. Look up the R diag. Increment that value. Look up the diag. Increment that value. Yeah. And then... And, and how am I incrementing all these beautiful values in our non-changeable data? <laughs> well, I think I think we do. We use a similar facility that we had uh, in, the, in the first solution. We make a, a function. So we have to have some place to store this data. So I think just adding it as another key in the in the game state, you know, wind tracking or something like that. Uh, so we now yeah, have a place to like store tracker, that data. Right? We're going to have a tracker key and we're going to have like a subtree of information in the game state under this like tracker or tracking. Yeah, and and so it actually ends up being somewhat of a like it's it's its own little its own little state that it's that well that it's tracking. <laughs> um and so there's there's functions. It's its own model, like the like the wind tracker is its own little nested model under right. this tracking key. Yeah, and so you you can we could put it off in its own little sub namespace, right? We have like app dot game dot tracker, let's say. Yeah, totally. And we can and have put functions all the in functions. There yeah, that, that do like what we just said. We say, hey, I want to add a row. X played row one. And all that function would do is take the tracking state, it would increment that and return a new tracking state with that that one key, that one key's value incremented. So it can take a play just like all the other functions take play. Like like the the our representation of a turn, I think, is what we decided, right? Our turn representation, I think we ended up with a you know a triple. It's like uh, the X or O and then the like row and column. So it, it takes yeah. the same pl- play representation and then it goes ahead and it um, it increments this special data structure for tracking. Right. And so all, it would always need to increment the row and the column. Um, but sometimes it, would, it wouldn't necessarily always need to or always uh, update the diagonal because there's four squares that don't, aren't on the diagonals. 
So just to get super specific, the way it increments the row in the column is like we do an update in. Um, yes, the, the beautiful update in, which lets you modify it and it gives you a new value back. So we could thread, right? So we, we take our tracker state and we're going to thread it through an update in that and we're going to pass ink as our update function, right? So we're going to update in on the key for row one. And then we're going to update in on the key for, so it'd be row and, you know, whatever the function took, right? Row right. variable here. <laughs> and then, um, and then update, let's say, you know, so we thread that to another update in. So now we at least know we're going to get a game state out of this thread first, this thread first macro that is going to have the row and the column buckets incremented. But but we have right. a special case the well, uh, the diag and our diag right how do we, how do we handle that? Well, and and I think we should step out a little bit and say that in the in the game play function we can have we, the update in that we have we can use update in out there to pass the, the actual tracking sub key out of the game state into the function we just talked about. Right, right. So so at the higher level we're using this nested model function. We're calling update in on the game state on the tracking key and then passing one of these nested model functions in as the updater function, right? Yeah, and, so we, and the important thing in there is that the, the, all the tracking functions, they, they, they accept and they return just the tracking model. The game doesn't know about the right. tracking model and the tracking model doesn't know about the game. So it's they're, like, they're, right, they're encapsulated that way. Yeah. That way. That way the game doesn't necessarily need to know how the tracking model represents stuff. And that way the tracking model, when it comes up with a better way of representing it or a different way, it's nice and encapsulated. And, it, and it's kind of nice at a high level, right? Because it's sort of obvious you're, you're reading this thread macro that's going through all the updating steps when a move is done. And it's like, oh, well, we thread it through this update on the game state for this key tracking. And then we have this function, you know, update tracking or whatever, whatever, whatever we call it. I don't think we named it. I think that sounds like a great name. I'm always, I'm always up for, for plain names and that are much less clever and maybe a little bit longer because I can tap and complete them. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So back, back to what you talked about earlier is that so we, we inside the update tracking method, we we thread the tracking through, you know, tally a row, tally a column. But then it's like, okay, well, we don't know if we want to tally or not the diagonal. It's like we need we need to we need to have a test for it. And so uh let's see what's oh, uh cond arrow, I think is the right function for us now. Oh yeah, so the cond thread con like con thread first or just yeah, just con thread. Yeah. And so so the idea is what we would do is we know we're always going to do the row and the column. So we're definitely going to do that. But then we want to take the output of that and we want to conditionally send it through an updater that's going to update the diagonal. So we need to we need to know if it's a diagonal. So how do we know how do we know if it's a diagonal? Well, diagonal's easy. Because you just check to see if the row and the column are the same. So I th I vote we make a function called Ooh, that's diag a with a question mark, and then you feed it a coordinate and it returns true or false if it's a diagonal. 
right? So for now, diagonals, easy. It's like do the row and column match. Right. And then we have another function called r diag question mark. And then it's, uh, I don't know, it's a little trickier for that one. Uh, yes. Uh, I believe all you need to do is make sure that the sum of the, of the coordinates is equal to 2. Oh, yeah, In yeah, this yeah. case, So you use tricky true. math. Yes. Tricky math. Or you could just hard code it. Okay, yes, so you have these. True. So you have this con thread, and then the the first one is like true, and then you know the the updating logic for the row and the column. Right, because you then, have to have a conditional for every 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 branch, so to speak. So we yeah. basically say true. We always want this. Yeah. So you could use like the boolean true, or you could use colon always because that always to be true. Colon yeah. eternally. Yes. Eternally. <laughs> Because, <laughs> colon, because. <laughs> because. Because I said so. Yeah, so it doesn't have to be the actual Boolean true, but it, it's kind of nice if it is. And then, uh, but you can do whatever. And then, right. yeah, you, you send it through diag question mark yeah, for the so coordinates. It's a diag question will, mark, yeah, and then, then the branch is just the function that does the updating for the diagonal. Okay, and yeah, yeah. The same for our diag, reverse diagonal. And so it kind of it ends up reading nicely like the way we had in the in the first solution where it's like update you know check the row check the row check the row check the column check the column it's like here always record the row and column and then conditionally but you can see and the nice thing about separating that conditional out into its own function is it's not like in the midst of your your cond arrow or your con thread it's not like you know, right. x equals y it's like uh, a row equals column what does that mean it's like no diag oh this is a diagonal play. I like to think of these these higher level functions as being like a description of a process. So I make all these like little mini functions that do really focused things. So I can read the high level function as as more like you said a little paragraph of information. So it's like oh we're going to conditionally thread, you know, and it's like always um, update row column, and then it's like diag, okay. Update diag, and then our diag. Update our diag, right? So it's nice high level, and you can understand what's going on without like looking at the innards. You know, you can you can see the animal, not the intestines. Yeah, I think as 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 programmers, we can look at a conditional. You know, equals row column, and we can say, oh, I understand that the row has to equal a column. Like you can you can interpret that as code. You know, because we've done enough closure, we've done we've been programmers for a while. But if you see a word that's a higher level concept, it, it allows you to stay at that higher level and be able to 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 view the algorithm instead of viewing the implementation. And I think that's the point of being able to like lift up these all these little functions. And so then you have that top level function that's also a little function, but it's it's a compact description of what's actually happening in a way that you can describe it to someone else instead of having to be inter right. a closure interpreter. Right. You're not trying to infer the meaning of this equal XY or equal row column. Like what, what does equal row column mean? Well, what it means is, a, is it's a diagonal, right? So, so you're, you're, you're staying at that nice high level, the description of process or solution as opposed to having to mentally kind of trampoline between the high level and then this low level implementation of how to know how to recognize diagonal yeah so then yeah. Now, so now we have a function that well, actually we have two different functions that we can use to to determine who, who the winner of the game is 
And, right. and, and there won't be any cheating then. So, so just to wrap this up and, and stitch up this tracker nicely, then how do, we, how do we know someone's one? We have to walk through all the keys and go do any of these totals equal three? Yeah, that's that's the end. That's that's the way you can, um, and it's you know just a simple filter, and then you grab the key, and then you know who has won, and you actually know how they won, which is kind of a clever thing too. Oh, interesting. So you could use that information because you'll get a, a you. We could have the tracker not only return the X or the O or nil, but you could have it return the the pattern. Right. Yeah, the manner in so, which they won. The key, basically, yeah, like you said. So the R diag or diag. So O wins on the diagonal. X wins on the reverse <laughs> diagonal. You know, O wins on row three, right? Which is kind of kind of a neat bonus out of this thing. Yeah, kind of unexpected. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, that certainly is uh interesting. It's kind of fun when something that you might do for optimizing turns in to give you some other benefit. It's not just about performance. And and partially it's because you pivoted the problem in a new direction. So sometimes you get some other features out of that. So so yeah, that's been it. That that's a real fun, neat little problem. Thanks for chatting about that today, Nate. Yeah, thank you. That's been fun. Thank you all for listening. You can find our show notes and our past episodes on the web at closuredesign.club. You can also find us on Twitter at closuredesign. Our email is feedback at closuredesign.club. Please, please, please send us your questions and feedback. Uh, you can also uh, mention us on Twitter. We, we do follow that and enjoy as much or as little feedback as you can give us. We're always interested in hearing from you. Yeah, we've been seeing some good feedback on Twitter. Keep it coming. We really appreciate it. And so, yeah, just, just keep the loop going. We'll be back next week. Until then, win with Tic-Tac-Toe.